ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم وما يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد we start in the name of Allah the most high the one to whom belongs all praise the one who controls all affairs the one who gives the one who takes glorified and exalted is he and we send peace and blessings upon the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam and his family and his followers until the end of time ameen my reflections in this sermon today as we begin as we welcome if there are any of the visitors we might have from USC uh, we welcome you to this space uh, for anyone who might be here today as a guest and it's one of the greatest symbols and values of Islam to honor our guests so we welcome anyone who might be here for the first time today uh, or in any sort of masjid for their first time today or any mosque for their first time today the reflections of the khutbah today are around one of the incidents of the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and how that played out and what it has to do with our present circumstances right now as Muslims in the United States. And that scene starts in Surah Al-Ahzab, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ says, إِذْ جَاءَكُمْ مِنْ فَوْقِكُمْ وَمِنْ أَسْفَلَ مِنْكُمْ وَإِذْ زَابَتَ الْأَبَصَارُ وَبَلَغَتَ الْقُلُوبُ الْحَنَاجِرُ وَتُظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ الظُّنُونَ He begins to tell this story, glorified and exalted is he. He says, when they came to you, and this is a reference to the battle of the confederates, or the battle of the clans, or the battle of the trench. It has a number of different names. And Allah says, when they came to you and they overwhelmed you from above and from below, and your, 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 your hearts were up into your throats, you know, it was such a serious situation. And you started to actually harbor thoughts about God that you should not harbor. And then the story continues. And we're going to come back to this, but I want you to consider one fact about Islam in America right now. And that was uh, something that was written in something called Fear Inc. It was published, you can find it online for free, in 2011. And they did this research in 2011 and they found that the entire anti-Muslim Islamophobia industry was largely funded by about seven or eight foundations. This is important to understand, that it was largely funded about seven or eight organizations, spent $42.6 million over the 10 years from 2001 to 2011, supporting the Islamophobia industry. Okay? So that can look like as a, as a regular everyday Muslim living in Los Angeles, going about our daily lives from different types of backgrounds, trying to struggle and do what we need to do to survive, to live decent and dignified lives, to take care of our families, to maintain our employment, to try to build whatever little bit of community that we can build. That looks like an insurmountable obstacle, right? I mean, $43 million, almost $43 million. Most of us are worried about paying our rent, right? And you look at this huge thing. And then you look at, that was in 2011. And now we're in 2016. And we see the way that things have continued in some ways. 
to be negative towards Muslims. You have certain elements that are pushing uh, ideas about Islam and Muslims that are to the harm of our community. Right. And you have others that are doing the opposite, alhamdulillah. But that, that obstacle that we face is, we can learn a lot then from the battle of the trench. Because in the battle of the trench, this was a circumstance that happened that the Muslims were there in Medina. And then we come back to that story, right? So they're there in Medina, and they've gone through the battle of Badr, they went through the battle of Uhud. There's been a number of battles, and, and the Muslim community is, is starting to come into shape, right? The Muslim community in Medina is starting to come into shape. The Prophet them is, is heading this, this community and he's guiding them politically, morally, spiritually and all of the ways that we need guidance. And then this battle comes. And actually this battle caught the Muslims off guard. And what it was, was there was a small group of people who instigated the Quraysh and surrounding tribes to go and attack the Muslims in Medina. Sounds very familiar, right? It was a small group of people that instigated these large groups of people to turn on their perception of the Muslims and, and initiate this attack on the city of Medina. And it says in some of the historical sources that the Muslims only had about a, a week to prepare for this battle. It was only a week. You know, all of a sudden there's this huge army that's amassing its forces and you're sitting in your, in your city and you don't know what to do. You have a week before this army is going to descend upon the city. So the first similarity is that small group that instigated the masses against the Muslims. The second thing that we have to look at here is that the Prophet ﷺ was a leader who accepted some level of innovation from his people. Because they were looking at the situation of this battle, they didn't know what to do. And one of them actually who was outside of the, the traditional you know, Medinan society, Salman al-Fadisi who came from, he's Fadisi, he came from Fars. Then he went to the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Ya Rasulullah, in our countries, when we would face battles like this, one of the techniques that we used to use is we would build this trench. And that would prevent the army from attacking us when we're in our areas. And he said, the city of Medina is perfect for this because we have these mountains and there's only one area where people can get in. So I think that we should build this trench. And the Prophet ﷺ, he accepted his idea and they went into this effort. So as we face obstacles that are seemingly insurmountable, we have to, of course, put our trust in Allah, which we will come to in a second. But we also need to think about what are innovative ways that we can begin to stand in front of the tide that is pushing against the Muslims. And there is a tide that is pushing for the Muslims. So how can we benefit that? What will our trench be? What will our trench be as an American Muslim community? Where, what is this technique that we're going to come up with that's going to allow us to face the difficulties that we're facing long enough that the victory of Allah will come, which is what's going to come in the, in, the, in, the, in the story as it continues. The other thing that we see from the trench is that the Prophet, peace be upon him, was a leader who was in the trench with his people. He refused to sit on the sidelines and allow the other Muslims to build the trench, but he was in there with them, and he was in there with them, struggling with them and facing hunger with them to the point they didn't even realize it. Until there was a rock, and this is an important incident in the story. There was a rock that could not be broken. 
And they called to the Prophet, they tried to get Salman, Salman was very strong, he couldn't break the rock. They called the Prophet, peace be upon him, to come and see what this rock is in this trench so we can continue digging. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, okay, let me check it out. And he descended into the trench, and when he descended into the trench, his, his clothes showed a little bit and they could tell that there was a rock that was tied to his stomach to stave off the hunger. See, he was a leader who was in there with his people going through the same thing his people were going through and he didn't even tell them, right? He didn't tell them, see, you guys are hungry, I'm hungry too, we're doing this together. He was just hungry too. And he went into that trench and he looked at this rock and he analyzed the rock, which brings us to the important point of the story for us right now. He goes down and he looks at this rock and he's assessing the situation. If you zoom in, you see the Prophet ﷺ standing in front of this rock. If you zoom out, you see a fledgling community of believers in Medina who have just recently escaped from Mecca in persecution and they're beginning to build this community that they are there and they're beginning to show people what Islam is about and people are beginning to understand what Islam is about. And now these huge armies are descending upon them with the possibility of crushing the entire thing, right? From the macro level, if you zoom out and you look at it, you're like, this is not looking so good, right? This looks really bad. And the Prophet ﷺ, then you zoom in and you see him standing in front of this rock. And the Prophet says, Bismillah, he raises the axe and he hits the rock. The first time he hits the rock, it cracks. And there's like a little bit of a spark. And the Prophet ﷺ says, Allahu Akbar, I was given the keys to Syria. I was given the keys to Syria. Like we're in the trench with the rock that we can't defeat. And there's a massive army that's coming to destroy us. You were given the keys to Syria. He raises the axe again. He hits it again. He says, Allahu Akbar, I was given the keys to Persia. Then he hits it a third time. It breaks open. He says, Allahu Akbar, I, was, I can see right now the gates of Yemen. Right? These are three major civilizations in that time. Persia and Syria and Yemen. The Prophet ﷺ is saying as he hits this rock, all of these are they're going to come to us. In the middle of the battle, in the middle of the trench, in the face of an obstacle that seems insurmountable, the Prophet ﷺ is giving hope to his people. He's telling them, don't worry about this trench. Don't worry about this little battle. Just look on the horizon. On the horizon, once we get through this little battle, once we overcome this little struggle, this is what's on the horizon. So keep your eyes where they need to be. As a community, we need to think about that. We need to keep our eyes where they need to be. They leave that interaction with the Prophet them. They go afterwards, Jabir ibn Abdullah, he comes to the, his wife, he says, you know, he, he noticed that the Prophet had that stone on his stomach. He comes to his wife, he says, you know, do we have any food? The Prophet needs to eat. She says, we have a little bit for a couple people. He goes to the Prophet them. he says, Ya Rasulullah, you know you're invited to my home for dinner. The Prophet them puts his hand in Jabir's hand, they start to walk towards the house. And he turns around and he says to all of the companions, Tfadal, like everyone, you're all invited to dinner. <laughs> Jabir said, He ran to his home, he said, what am I going to do now? You know, what is he going to tell his wife? His wife said, we can afford two or three people can come and eat. Now there's like several hundred people coming to eat, right? Imagine the situation. They talk about household drama, right? He goes to his wife. His wife tells him something very smart. She said, did you invite them? Or did the messenger of God invite them? It's a beautiful question. Did you invite them? Or did the messenger of God invite them? He said, the messenger of God invited them. He said, she said, then God will take care of you. 
Don't worry about it. And they came to the home, and the Prophet ﷺ sent them in in groups, and each of them was fed. It's from the blessing of the, of the Prophet ﷺ in the circumstance. Some people look at miracles in the life of the Prophet, they say, well, I don't believe that could happen. Okay, and you believe that the Qur'an was revealed from the heaven? I mean, that's a bigger deal. That the Qur'an was revealed from God to the Prophet ﷺ is a bigger deal than some extra food in a plate, right? But we need to keep this in perspective. So they had some extra food, and they got that blessing of the Prophet ﷺ in that particular circumstance. So what do we see? We see a community that's under siege. We see a leader that's in the trenches, literally, with his community. And we see that leader giving the, the, the vision to his people that there is hope on the horizon. There is hope on the horizon. You just need to put your trust in the right place. Now, where did those verses start? Those verses started with, you see this army come to you, and they're overwhelming you from top and, and from top and from bottom, and you're so anxious about what's going on, and you start to have thoughts. And we have to realize to ourselves, subconsciously, as a community, many of us are thinking, man, this is a bad situation where domestically, internationally, like, Ya Allah, what is this situation that we're, we're in right now? Some people are struggling with this, no doubt. And the Prophet ﷺ and Allah in these verses is guiding us through that process. So we'll come then in the second half of the khutbah to the conclusion of that, as well as some extra points that we need to keep in mind. I remind myself and everyone to have taqwa Allah, God consciousness in everything that we do. Before we continue the khutbah and we, we end strong inshallah, uh, I want to make an announcement that the brothers in the masjid asked me to make, which is that there's security in the masjid on the weekends. But there's not security in the masjid during the week. And one of the things that the administration would like to do is to get to a point where you can have security to look after the masjid during the week. Which is very important, especially in the times that we live in, to have someone here to, to look over the masjid and make sure that if anything happens it can be responded to appropriately and also deter anything from happening. So they need people who can pledge uh, about 2,000 a month could be a number of people in order to take care of that. If you're one of those people that are going to be in the aid of the masjid in that way, then you can go to the administration after the Juma. It's just the door to the right uh, as you leave, inshallah. So where does that leave us in the story with the Prophet They're facing these hard circumstances. And two things happen that are extremely important. Yes, we have the Prophet them. Yes, we have the glad tidings and the hope that he's giving them. And we have also the perseverance of the believers. Because one of the things that we'll notice in life, and may Allah help us with this, and may Allah be gentle with us, is that when we face difficulties and when we're trying to get somewhere, it's usually up to the last second that we're pushed. You know, you're waiting for this opening from Allah, for this facilitation, for things to get a little bit better. And it's always like you're getting pushed all the way up to the breaking point. 
When you get pushed all the way up to the breaking point, then that's when the victory comes right afterwards. That's when the facilitation comes right afterwards. So we see that the believers in this battle are being pushed right up to the breaking point. And from the believers are those who responded in the way that they were supposed to respond, which is also memorialized in this 33rd chapter of the Qur'an, where they said, When the believers saw this army coming towards them, they said, this is what Allah and His Messenger have promised us. Look at their response to the difficulty. Look at their response to the difficulty. When they saw the armies, they said, this is what Allah and His Messenger have promised us. And Allah and His Messenger told the truth. And then Allah says after that, وَمَا زَادُهُمْ إِلَّا إِيمَانًا وَتَسْلِيمًا And that whole circumstance only increased them in their faith and only increased them in their submission. So they took a strong stand. Some of these believers, they took a strong stand. And there are people in our community who this is, what's, this is what's happening. All of the difficulties that are facing them, they're sitting there and they're saying, this is what Allah promised us. And this is what His Messenger promised us. And these are the difficulties that we're facing and we're going to do what we need to do so that Allah can do what He has promised us to do. Right? They're putting their, their trust is not in their actions. Their trust is in Allah. I do my part and the rest is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah gives them a miraculous victory. That's the other thing. The battle, the battle actually didn't really happen. The battle didn't really happen. These huge armies and stuff. There were some little skirmishes here and there when they were trying to get over the trench. But in the end, a huge dust storm came. And, the, and a couple of different things came together. And the enemies of, of the Muslims at that time were so deterred that they ended up leaving. They retreated. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about that is وَرَدَّ He says, and Allah uh, repelled those who disbelieved uh, as a result of that. In spite of their frustration and their anger and their hatred and everything else, Allah repelled them. And they didn't get any of the good that they were seeking to get, so-called good, the enemies. And then it says that Allah actually uh, protected the believers from having to fight. They didn't even have to fight, which was a blessing from Allah, that they didn't have to do that. We shouldn't wish to fight. The Prophet said, don't seek, don't like look forward to your battle. That's not, you know, we hope that Allah would, would take us away from even having to go into something like that. And then it says, وَكَانَ اللَّهُ قَوِيًّا عَزِيزًا That Allah is powerful, he is, he is strong and He is powerful. Right? So in this whole circumstance, we see what happened. We see a situation that looked hopeless. We see the hope of the Messenger of Allah We see the grind that the Muslims are going through, trying to prepare and get ready for this, this, this thing that's, ha- that's facing them and they don't have any choice. And we see the miracle of Allah that He intervened and He took care of the whole situation. And that's not, you know, Allah is more powerful than being affected by these kind of things. So we have to have hope in the face of difficulties. And this is a huge issue of Iman. We have hope in the face of difficulties not because we believe that we ourselves are so incredible and so great. Not because I believe that I can put on my shoulders all of these battles and carry the people or something like that. But we believe that we can 
come out of these obstacles and these difficulties in a way that is beneficial to us and our families and our communities because Allahu Kareem and Allahu Aziz and Allahu Qawi that Allah is powerful, Allah is mighty, Allah is generous, Allah is kind Allahu Khaliqu Kulli Shayin wa Huwa Ala Kulli Shayin Qadir Allah is the creator of all things and He is capable of all things there is nothing outside of His power Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala glorified and exalted is He so then where does that leave us as a community because we face some difficulties and we face some challenges. So what is it that we're going to do then in order to give back, in order to do our side of the, of the, of the situation? Because we saw they still built the trench. They still got ready for the battle. They still went through the difficulties. So what is it that we're going to do? What is our trench? What is our contribution? What is our way of giving back? What is our way of building relationships with those around us? What is our way of showing people the light of Islam? All of these are questions that are paramount to the existence of Muslims here right now. And this is not, I cannot emphasize this in any clearer terms, this is not an issue of doubt. Okay, we have a terrible misunderstanding in our community that we think any positive thing that we do in our society is an issue of da'wah. It's not an issue of da'wah. It's an issue of being a Muslim. We're not good to our neighbors because it's an issue of da'wah. We're good to our neighbors because Allah commanded us to. We're not good to the people at our workplace or our employees or those that we interact with or those that we engage with on a daily basis because we want to give da'wah to them. We do all of that because this is what Allah asked us to do. And because this is the way of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Wasallam Da'wah comes out of it, Da'wah comes out of it But our responsibility is to carry the message So then what is our responsibility in carrying the message? Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala He said about the believers كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ أُمَّةٍ أُخْرِجَتْ لِلنَّاسِ تَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَتَنْهَوْنَ عَنَ الْمُنْكِرِ وَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ That you were the best nation ever to be brought forward for the people you command what is good and you forbid what is evil and you believe in Allah. This in itself could be its own khutbah. Okay? Because Allah is describing this community of believers as the greatest community ever to come forth. But He doesn't just say you are the greatest community to ever come forth and you do what's good and you, command what's, you, you forbid what's evil and you believe in Allah. But you are the great, greatest community to come forth لِلنَّاس لِخِدْمَةٍ nas For the service of the people. For the service of the people. And what is it that matters to people is not actually you putting your faith in their face. That may be a conversation that comes. One of our problems as a community right now is that we think all of our issues are going to be solved by explaining to people what Islam is with our words. This is an issue of the hearts for most people. They're not thinking straight, they're not thinking straight. You sit there and you try to explain to them, well, Islam says this, and it doesn't say this, and it says this, and it doesn't say this. And this verse, alhamdulillah, it's all true, but it's not getting here. This community is described as the best nation ever brought forward for the service of the people. And when Allah describes the characteristics of that community that's been brought forth for the service of the people, He puts, you command what is good and you forbid what is evil, before He even mentions that you believe in God. Which is the most paramount thing for us as Muslims, right? The most paramount thing for us as Muslims is that we believe in God. But if you're brought out to serve the people, what is the most paramount thing for the people? I want to see it. The proof is in the pudding. Show me what you're doing. Where is the good that you're commanding? How are you helping to deal with issues of police brutality? How are you helping to deal with issues of income gaps? 
How are you dealing with issues of public transportation? How are you dealing with issues of affordable housing? How are you dealing with issues of health care and access to health care? How are you dealing with issues of equal access to education? I have a friend who grew up in South LA. He said, we have money for cameras in the classrooms and in the hallways of the school, the high school, but we didn't have money for books. So what are you as a believing community who was brought forth for the service of the people, what are you doing to deal with this? Because this is an issue of the people. This is our issue. So where is the good that you're commanding? Where is the evil that you're stopping? How are you dealing with rampant drug and alcohol issues? How are you dealing with discrimination, with abuse, all of the things that are there? And you believe in Allah. You believe in Allah. We definitely believe in Allah. There's no doubt about that. But we're the best nation ever to come forth on the condition that you are there for the service of the people. So when we're facing the things that we're facing, we need to go back to the basics. Go back to the basics of loving people. Go back to the basics of taking care of our neighbors. Go back to the basics of being sources of good. Go back to the basics of being people who stop evil from occurring in as much as possible for us. And of course, we always ground ourselves in our iman. We ground ourselves in our worship of Allah. And we do all of that because we love Allah. And because He has told us to do that. And that's what helps us to do it even when it's not great for us to do it. And if we do that, if we build that trench, if we take care of people the way that we're supposed to take care of people, if we serve people the way that we're supposed to serve people, then Allah will take care of the rest. Don't even worry about the size of the obstacles. Don't worry about $42 million over 10 years. $42 million over 10 years means nothing for Allah. If Allah wants to change the hearts of the people as a gift to this community, He will change the hearts of the people. But we have to do our part. We have to put our step forward. We have to make sure that we hold our candle up in the face of the darkness. We ask Allah to guide us in all of our affairs and to be gentle with us. Oh Allah, forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. Accept from us our deeds. Enter us into paradise and keep us away from your punishment. Help us to do good in this life and the next so that you may be pleased with us. Give food to those who are hungry. Give shelter to those who are shelterless. Give victory to those who are oppressed. Help us to be sources of light and guidance in everything that we do. And help us to be true inheritors and carriers of the way of your messenger. اللهم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا اللهم بارك فينا وبيننا وألف بين قلوبنا وصفوفنا اللهم كن معنا ولا تكن علينا وانصر إخواننا المستضعفين في كل مكان افتح عليهم يا فتاح يا عليم اللهم علمنا ما انفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزلنا علما وعملا صالحا اللهم تقبل منا وعفو عنا اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم بلغنا رمضان وعتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وصلنا اللهم وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا وأقيم الصلاة